When you're employed at the Department of Justice, you're um, a civil servant. Yeah. There's something called the Hatch Act where you're not allowed to discuss politics yeah. or get involved or you know do protesting, especially not as a senior attorney. Right. And I felt like my hands were tied. I felt like I had a muzzle on my mouth whenever mm -hmm. we're seeing things that are happening that are impacting people that look just like me. Right. Hey guys, what's good? Welcome to the Cosign Life. If you're watching this video, that means you co-sign us and we co-sign you. So here are a couple of ways to support us at Cosign Magazine. Number one, view the description below, click the link and purchase an issue of Cosign Magazine. It's like this, this one right here, physical. You can purchase this. Number two, you can also support us by purchasing Cosign merch. Hit the link below and it'll take you to all our past merch items and we'd love to have your support and see you wear Cosign Magazine. We're back with another episode of Cosign Conversations. Today we have the beautiful, the talented attorney, mother, former prosecutor, now turned politician, my good friend Tammy Allison here today at Cosign Loft. How are you doing today? I'm good, KG. How like are that you? Intro? I liked it. Like that. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Add some spice to it. A little bit, you know what I'm saying? So like you were saying, how are you doing today? You doing well? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. This of course. is great. This is nice. And Long good. overdue. So long overdue. We've been trying yeah. to do this for like I know. five, six months. I know. Blame it on James. I'm just playing. <laughs> Don't blame James. You can blame well, blame him. it on both of our busy schedules and yes. Yes. owning our passions. Yes. So how do we meet? I'm, I'm trying to figure that. How do we meet? We met at an event that the Los Group put on. Oh, yes. I yes. love Day and them. Um, it was the top 40 under 40. Yes. It was in the Mockingbird Station. In 2019. I remember that. And um, that was, it was you. I mean, you and a group of girls there. And I want to say that same night, all of y'all bought tickets to the award show. We did. So I was still an attorney for the United States Department of Justice. Okay. And I had just moved out here with my son and was going to those networking events. And you okay. were there. And Ade, Allison, yeah. and Melissa. Um, we're hosting, yeah. I think, the Versal and Cosign launch. That, okay, that one was at that rooftop spot. Yes. So it was outside? That was the very first time. Then okay, the, the second event, okay. we also talked, and then you were having tickets for the yes. Cosign Awards. Yeah. So the very first Cosign Awards that I went to was in 2019. Yeah, then 2020, COVID happened. Now we're back 2021. Yeah. But you said um, former DOJ. I remember when you were thinking about leaving or when you were or, or when you left, you had um, called or texted me asking me for advice because you were like, you want to go the entrepreneurship route. Yes. So what made you decide to leave such a great job, <laughs> with great pay and go out here on your own to this crazy world of entrepreneurship? You you're one of the inspirations for me taking that leap of faith to leave the Department of Justice after 12 years. I mean, as a black woman, whether you're a woman or a man, right. any underrepresented group experiences um, inherent biases in the right. policies and procedures. And I'm not immune to that after 12 years. It just got to a point where I was like, if I have women that are selling eyelashes and hair weaves, mm -hmm. becoming millionaires, right. and you know, not having necessarily like a certain level of education, but just pursuing their passion and owning their passion and being able to monetize it. There's no way that I 
could not succeed True. leaving the Department of Justice, even though I credit the department for a lot of who I am right. as a person, as a mother, as an attorney. It was a wonderful experience. I can't ignore the bias that I experienced and that I witnessed other people experience, as well as the American people right. that are a part of the criminal justice system experience. Mm -hmm. So especially after last summer of the social and racial unrest, Definitely. I knew that it was time for me to bid adieu to sure. that position at the United States Department of Justice. But with that being a, a government, that's a government job, right? It's a good government good job. Good government job, right? But can't you retire in 20 years? Yeah, you can retire like in 20 years and have like a lot of great benefits, but at a so certain point, wasn't. you know, again, especially after the summer of 2020, right, and when you're employed at the Department of Justice, you're um, a civil servant. Yeah. There's something called the Hatch Act where you're not allowed to discuss politics yeah. or get involved or, you know, do protesting, especially not as a senior attorney. Right. And I felt like my hands were tied. I felt like I had a muzzle on my mouth whenever mm -hmm. we're seeing things that are happening that are impacting people that look just like me. Right. And I'm literally at the Department of Justice, you know, um, the first place that I worked at was making recommendations for presidential pardons, okay. then as a former federal prosecutor, and also a senior employment law attorney with the Federal Bureau of Prisons. So I'm literally seeing every stage of the criminal justice system right. and seeing how outraged the country is in the wake of the deaths of Ahmaud Arbery as well as George Floyd, and my hands and, and mouth are tied. Can't I can't really speak. So. There's things that I did do as far as like compile a list of pro bono attorneys right. for protesters, but it wasn't enough. I really needed to just leave and take my talents elsewhere. Yeah. So I leaned on people that I knew like you right. who are entrepreneurs and were willing to speak to me about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, not Definitely only both. as an attorney or a law firm, but as a business owner. Definitely. I was going to ask you too, what did, what did you do for your outlet? Because I know... It can be stressful. It can be a lot to weigh on yourself mentally and physically. So what was your outlet to help you d through that time until you just said, I'm done? You know, I didn't really have an outlet. I'm just working because, okay. you know, I have a, a now seven-year-old son and a lot of personal drama, custody drama. So for me, it's focusing on what's best for him, what's best for me and my future and not being held down to what is expected of us. Right. and not just reaching a certain level of success being a senior attorney for DOJ right. without being passionate about the work and how I'm helping other people that look just like me. For sure. That's amazing. And one thing I was going to say growing up, um, so my family's, from, my family's from Panama. I was born in Brooklyn, but I spent like my adult years, like high school, et cetera, in Killeen, small city in Texas, huge military base though. But I didn't really see anybody that looked like me or my family members become like attorneys or doctors. So I moved to Dallas, I took a different path, um, but I started meeting a lot of people and I started doing cosign. And I'm like, man, she's an attorney. She's black, she's young. Like, that's crazy. And, I'm like, and to me, I'm looking like that's crazy, but it's like, man, that should be the norm, right? It should be the norm. Should, I shouldn't look at it as like, yo, like she's a unicorn. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, when I come from, you don't really see many of that. And you know, it's, it's it's super honorable to actually know somebody that, you know, stuck it out. Because I know people that wanted to be an attorney or wanted to be a doctor, but couldn't, you know, get past the years of school or 
maybe it was you know finances or, or anything of that matter they just couldn't do it so kudos to you for sticking you. through not only doing it but now you have your own law firm i do i have the first black owned yes expert presidential pardon law firm ever and i'm the third person ever having worked at the department of justice's office of the pardon attorney to okay. own a practice dedicated to federal executive clemency got you so i'm gonna be that person in layman's <laughs> term tell us what you do <laughs> okay so anyone that has a federal conviction okay. um and they end up going to the federal bureau of prisons okay. they can seek what a lot of people call a presidential pardon okay. but a presidential pardon is not the universal term the correct term is federal executive clemency okay so that's the correct terminology is clemency, clemency. and under the umbrella of clemency there's a pardon and okay. then there's a commutation gotcha. so a commutation is someone that's currently incarcerated and they're seeking forgiveness okay. to be released from prison early release Early release, okay. re reduction of their fine and okay. or restitution. And then a pardon is an individual who has formerly been incarcerated and they've been released for five years. Okay. That's the eligibility date, five years. They still got to wait five years. They have to wait five years. There's a waiver that they could apply for, but it's extremely rare for it to be granted. Right. So five years after either their release or the date of their sentencing, if they were not sentenced to actual incarceration, okay. they're eligible for a presidential pardon. The presidential pardon, it restores their civil rights. So like the vote. right to vote in okay. some jurisdictions, the right to hold public office, the right mm -hmm. to sit on a jury, and the most popular is the right to legally possess a firearm. Yes. Yes. So that's the only way to possess a firearm after a federal conviction is if a presidential pardon is obtained. It didn't used to be that way, but right. we can get into that later, but. Okay, so let me ask you this, with, with Texas now, I guess the September goes into effect, I wanna say that you don't, you no longer need um, a license to carry. Will that apply for uh, people who've been convicted or they still can't carry? They still cannot carry. They still cannot carry. So Texas's constitutional carry, just to make it super short and summarize it, is just that you don't need a license to exercise your second amendment right. right to possess a firearm. Okay. If there's a conviction at the state or federal level, um, they still cannot possess a firearm. Mm. I personally believe that there needs to be legislative changes if there's a low level, right. nonviolent, first time offenders. Sure. I do not believe that their constitutional rights should forever be banned from a mistake that not they've definitely. made. Um, and the similar argument with the Voting Rights Act that, you know, a license shouldn't be required to exercise the constitutional right to vote. Yeah. So if we're pushing for a license not being required for your constitutional right to vote, mm -hmm. in my opinion, the same argument should be made. A license should not be required for an individual's constitutional right to possess a firearm. Definitely. And having worked at the Department of Justice for so long, I know firsthand that underrepresented groups, especially black people, right. have possession, excuse me, of a firearm without a license to carry charge. And that is a snowball effect to a lot of additional charges mm. if there's a federal conviction, including a statute that's called 924C, where we see a disproportionate amount of black people having those offenses on top of a federal offense, which carries a mandatory minimum of 10 years. So yeah. Um, 
I mean, I could keep going, but it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm it's still shocked like how you remember all this. I'm thinking back to when I used to take classes, like okay, nine twenty four C. What was that again? When, uh, you gotta um, understand, I twelve years at the Department yeah. of Justice. I literally like grew up there, so I know the United States sentencing guidelines. I yes. know the statutes. I know the legislation, especially the legislation that adversely hurts black people. All right. Let me ask you this though. I'm serious, but I'm playing. <laughs> so I got some from back in 20, <laughs> back in uh, 20, hold on, 20, 2005, six. You think you can get that up off? Huh? So that's the thing. So clemency is not the same as expungement. But can you do that too though, or no? I, I don't do expungement. <laughs> you don't do expungement? But no, okay. an expungement is like, on a state level, mm-hmm. you can get it off of your record, yeah. certain offenses. Now at the federal mm-hmm. level, there's, Pretty much no such thing as an expungement. Yeah, nah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, that was my big push for entrepreneurship too. Because once I, um, once I got in trouble with the law, and I and I and I really realized how they how they treated me, not even knowing who I was, but just looking at you know my record, and they wouldn't hire me, or I'll get through the whole process, get the job, how much they love me, but then I get a call back like unfortunately weren't able to hire you. I was like, man, that's my push for entrepreneurship, man. Yes. Like, I will never let somebody else tell me ever again that because I did something, as, like it was right when I turned eight. Well, I got caught right when I turned eighteen. That now I'm screwed from you know employment. So yeah, no. But that's uh, exactly why I launched this law practice. It's for that very reason. Um, I say clemency through ownership. The right. ownership being literal and figurative because formerly incarcerated individuals or individuals with convictions shouldn't be judged from their exactly. conviction for the rest of their life. But until there's actual legislative, legislative change, my solution to the stigma and reducing the st- stigma is through ownership. Okay. So encouraging individuals to start a business, have the business own its intellectual property through trademarks and copyrights okay. so they can be transferred and licensed and put into contracts okay. and monetized that the business owns an immediate asset. Okay. That actually is a very strong and compelling gotcha. argument for the forgiveness aspect, which is clemency. Okay. But then also just like figuratively owning it, like accepting responsibility that, you know, the individual messed up right. and they're sorry and they are worthy of the forgiveness that is clemency. But statistically speaking, Black people are four times less likely to receive oh, yeah. a presidential pardon than I mean, majority group members. I mean, we all make mistakes, right? So it should be treated the same across the board, but you know it's not. So is this is this all that made you go into this type of law? Because I mean, you could have chose anything, criminal justice, family law, uh, health practice law, all different types of law. What made you specifically decide to go this direction? Well, I was the second black person ever hired at the Office of the Pardon Attorney. And I knew that no one really understood clemency. The only time people talk about presidential pardons is at the end of a presidential administration. And a lot of people have the misconception that they have to be affiliated with politicians or celebrities in order to obtain clemency. That's where I heard it from. Wasn't wasn't that what Kim Kardashian was doing? You know, like... Or that's something different? No, it's the same thing. And that's clemency. um, And, you know, with the assistance of her you know, fame, she was able to get the word out about this process that even exists to a bigger audience. So I think that what she's done in terms of clemency is amazing. But I talk to people every single day that have convictions that feel like they're not worthy or that nobody's going to pay attention to them because they don't have 
any types of affiliation or tie to politicians or to gotcha. a celebrity. So I keep pushing clemency through ownership and helping people understand that each and every person that has any type of conviction is worthy and eligible for clemency, whether they know a politician or a celebrity, because the majority of those petitions for federal convictions, mm -hmm. it goes through the United States Department's um, okay. Office of the Pardon Attorney. So all those applications from people that are not household names, mm -hmm. that don't know a celebrity, you, you, they can still apply. But the same with any other area of law, right. they can do it on their own, but it's always better to have an attorney representing them, especially someone like myself that actually worked at that office. So I know like, exactly. yeah, I know exactly what they're looking for in the petition. And until there's actual changes made to the bias types of questions that are asked on there, in my opinion, the ownership part is what's super important to overcome the bias so that we can see more people that look like you and I right. receiving clemency and having their rights restored. Right. So let me ask you this as a business owner, you want to help a lot of people. Like we, we all in business want to help somebody, right? But at the same time, we have to make profit to continue living. Yes. Right. <laughs> so what kind of challenges have you been facing going out on your own, like wanting to help so many people? But a lot of times, well, I don't say a lot of times, but maybe so many people can't afford your services. Like, how have you been managing that as a new entrepreneur? It's still, I'm still managing, you know, yeah. like I launched um, almost eight months ago right. and it's been an amazing eight months. I've, what I thought started as a law firm has turned into advocacy, activism, a run for Congress right. and still managing a law practice. So me putting the information out there by informing and educating is the first step. And then once people have an understanding of the importance of clemency and why it's important for it to be a word that people understand and mm -hmm. know. Then the second step is we're having individuals come and want to retain and understand gotcha. the value that comes along with um, paying an expert right. to prepare the petition for them. Opposed but the first right step, now. yeah, the first step is the education and the for informing sure. and letting them know there's no wins or losses. So, you know, and as in any other business, there's comparisons. Right. So I'm always like, feel free. Yeah. Feel free to check out any other attorney. <laughs> right. Good luck. You know, no one Not has the sure. credentials and experience that I have as far as clemency and that understands the cultural and geographical biases that come and how to maneuver against it to increase their chances okay. of a favorable recommendation. But, you know, I'm, I'm blessed that business has been okay as a brand new entrepreneur right. and you know, I never would have thought in a million years that I'd be asked to run for Congress. That was my next question. <laughs> From attorney to now politics. Why politics? You know, pol pol politicians tend to have, you know, uh, a negative connotation to yes. being, you know, so like, what made you want to go this route? We need more politicians, more black politicians, but what made <laughs> you decide to go this route? I didn't want to. Like, people ask me, numerous times when I launched a law practice and I kept saying clemency through ownership right. and within a month of launching you know I was on CNN and NBC law and crime right. I'm now a regular on court TV yeah. <laughs> so it's like I think that people thought that it was a natural next step right I didn't see it I still 
it's still mind blowing to me that, you know, I ran for Congress, but when I got a call, one of those calls from Washington, D.C., right. um, emphasizing the importance of someone like me that doesn't code switch anymore, right. that doesn't dress the way, you know, a lawyer is supposed to dress, right. and I'm just myself and I relate to the people, I, I couldn't say no to it. So after we had that winter storm in mm. February, there are a lot of people that asked me to run for public office because I put out a video just like, bro, if you ain't from Texas, you talk about this winter storm and this man going to Mexico, yeah, like, like stop, because you don't understand like how crucial it is. Like we literally don't have heat. We don't have water. Like there's no food. Like right. even for us that are like middle class and comfortable, we, we're struggling. And that was the video that catapulted me to running. So I got a call. I was asked to consider for 2022, okay. but we realized that I lived in the district, District 6, where Ron Wright had passed away from COVID oh. in February. And the rest is history. I, I raised enough money to get on the ballot and had the support of the community and people just telling me to do it. So I ran as a pro-Second Amendment, okay. pro-cannabis. Democrat <laughs> and ended up in third place okay. out of 10 Democrats with less than 50,000 raised, gotcha. which shows the establishment that a regular person that speaks to the issues that all of the voters really right. care about is necessary. Raising a certain amount of money or acting like a robot, saying right. the right words and just not being real right. is not it. Like people need and want a real voice, whether it's me or someone else. So even if my run for Congress inspires somebody else to Definitely. get into politics, I've done my job because I don't know if I'm going to run again or not. I was going to say you're running back. You don't know yet. I, listen, <laughs> <laughs> that but, was a lot, you know, yeah. but, you know, I I'm a public servant whether I'm with the federal government or not. Uh -huh. I, clearly, I can't get away from it. No, so if the public wants me to serve, I'm here you know to serve. You should talk to our editor, man, Chris. He, uh, he's always had this thing that he uh, essentially wants to get into to, to politics. And I support it. You know, I mean, he has some, some far-fetched... Uh, he's in here, <laughs> so I'm trying to be politically correct. But... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll support Chris running for something. Okay. <laughs> Y'all should definitely talk. Maybe you give some pointers. Yes. Uh, he might need to clean up some. Listen, and you know, the, the you're going to kill me for this. But. <laughs> but no, like a lot of people have come and they started asking me questions about the process and yeah. how I did it, how, you know, to do the paperwork sure. and what it was like. Listen, I'm not going to lie. That was a lot. <laughs> and nah, it was a special but, election. So okay. there was a lot going on. But um I started um, offering, so I also own an LLC called Own Your Passion, okay. which encourages and educates and informs entrepreneurs on the basic steps to take okay. for legalizing their business. Oh, so nice. Own Your Passion now does campaign political consulting. Okay, so you do campaign political consulting and then you also business formation? Yes. Okay, so, so LLCs, S-Corps, nonprofits. Yes. That's what's up, that's needed. Do you do trademarks? I do, too? yes. Okay, I'm sorry to jump around, guys. Y'all gonna want to hear this for the audience. Cause I get this a lot. Does a new does a new business need a trademark or copyright? Cause I'm just, from what I've been reading, copywriting is like you do that for like um, intellectual property, right? Like music, something you write. That's what you copyright. Is that correct? 
Kinda. Okay. <laughs> you That's almost close. got it. Almost okay. got it. So where do I look? Where do I look to, to, to Your, tell this? Uh, camera one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> two. Camera two. Okay. Yes, we have three cameras. We got three cameras. <laughs> okay. So for intellectual property, you want to trademark uh, and copyright, okay. and perhaps get a patent. Okay. And perhaps <laughs> protect your trade secrets okay. through all of those four things are intellectual property. Gotcha. So a new business owner needs to have the business formation. LLC, S Corp, check. That's not the only one though, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that could be a corporation, you know corporate. what I'm saying? But SBA.gov goes through the different business entities. I tell my clients to consult a business, I'm sorry, a tax attorney, because a business entity is nothing more than how you're going to be taxed. That's all it's for, is for taxes. So consult a tax attorney to see how you're going to be impacted. Do you know of any Personally, I do. Sakina Tillman, Tillman Tax Services. Bam. Yes. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) So consult a tax attorney so you know how the business structure that you choose is going to impact you personally, your business, your family. So you need to consult a tax attorney first and foremost. Most people have an LLC because it works for them, but don't just get an LLC because you see a lot of people doing an LLC. I see that a lot. People get one just to get one. Just just to get one. But either way, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to get an LLC. Okay. (laughs) The LLC does not protect the name of the business. Just protects protects you as the owner from, yeah. So, yes. (laughs) It protects you as the owner from a liability against the business. Yes. So, it's limited liability. Exactly. So, the limited liability makes sure that if there's any type of lawsuit against you, the person. It doesn't. You didn't sign no contract under your name. You signed a contract as managing member under the LLC's name. So, So they can't take in your personal assets. Yes. It's it's against the business. So, if there's any um, judgments, it's a judgment against the business. That's the limited liability against the individual, right? Gotcha. So that's all the LLC does. And the LLC also shows the state right. that that is a business operating by that managing member. Gotcha. Okay? And it could be more than one managing member. It could be multiple. Now the trademark, the trademark is, you want to trademark titles. And you want to copyright content. So I always like say that. that, right? T-T-C-C. Yes. So T Trade, for trademark. Trademark that, titles. Yes. Copyright content. Yes. That part. Can we copyright this shit so y'all try to steal this? <laughs> yes. And that's another thing. Yeah. So the content. This is content. Right. So you want to register it with the United States Copyright Office at okay. uscopyright.gov. Okay. And if you don't know how to do it, you need to get an attorney, whether it's myself or anyone else. This, this, she's right here. Just go ahead and get her. You know what I'm saying? Attorney Tammy But look, Allison. I have a question. This is the perks of doing interviews. Let me see if she gives me some free advice or <laughs> she can bill me, invoice me or something. No, nah, don't do that. But okay, so cosign, right? Cosign the word. I was thinking about trademarking cosign because now I've seen uh, um, there's a media company. I'm not going to say their name because they're not getting free publicity, but they have a series called uh, The Cosign. They stole your stuff. Yes. This is why we need to get a trademark as soon as possible because you never know. But this is what I'm saying. Like, how can I trademark a word like cosign? Because cosign is also a mathematical term, I believe. So how do I trade the mark cosign so that like in business under like media, nobody else can use it? Because I've also seen somebody have cosign radio now. So I always tell my clients, prospective clients in the audience that you want to trademark your stuff because anybody can come and be like, you know what? That's dope. I'm going to take that and run with it. But 
if it's not, you never know if they have filed a, a trademark for it through the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Mm -hmm. But you want to trademark it, and doesn't matter if they have it, for example, under one class, and a class is the way it's being used. Mm -hmm. If you're using it, and you've been using it under media, and it's still available, you could have the protections of registering the trademark for cosign. But it sounds like you and I need to set up a whole consultation. Yes, I'm gonna put my money in my mouth there, set up a consultation. <laughs> I'm gonna support black owned businesses. I'm not gonna ask for a discount, but if you'd like to give me one, I'm you not know, gonna turn it know. down. But yes, I need to get this situated because I have I spoke with a friend out of Houston and anytime she sees something with cosign pops up, she sent it to me and she was like, KG, hey, you gotta do something. So like I've seen cosign radio out of like um it's out of Canada. I've seen like the show called The Cosign. I've seen something else called like No Cosign Necessary. And it's like, man, I kind of want to figure out how I can like own the whole, you know, Cosign, anything to do with like media entertainment. I want to like just own that umbrella. Yeah, but also this. The logo. You, know, you have Cosign now on merchandise, a pillow. Right. So that's a different class. So it's a different class from just the media. So that would be um, class 25, which is like all kinds of merchandise, or you can do it like pillows. So there's different classes. classes. So even if you have a trademark for cosign under media, it doesn't protect you if you if somebody has has it slapped cosine on a hoodie. clothing or something. Yeah. So. Mm. So is it the word or is it the logo? Because I think I've tried. Both. Okay, because I tried doing the logo and I think it expired or something, so I might need to do that again. We need to talk. We're just going to talk. We're going to talk. But you, you always want to uh, make sure that the name of the business, first and foremost, and the logo are trademarked. Okay. Those are two separate fees. And then any other phrase or slogan or catchphrase, like even with myself, when I launched in November of 2020, who knew that by... December, I'd be on CNN, right. you know, so the pardon attorney, clemency through ownership, oh, it's the that. injustice for me. There's a, I have Ooh. an entire trademark portfolio. Uh, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> you want to yeah. have the protection so that if someone does try to use your stuff, yeah. that you can, they can pull up on you in federal district court. Facts. Will you, will you represent me too when I sue somebody or that somebody else? As long as it's federal, because I don't mess with state court. Federal, I can't do that. Okay. I don't have the patience for state okay. court. Well, you recommend somebody for <laughs> state too. Um, this is amazing. This is, this is why I like to do these coastline conversations, because you feel like you know somebody, and you sit down with them, and they start giving you all this game. And I'm like, oh, she really out here. Oh, yeah. She really lit. You know, I'll be seeing your, 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 your big <laughs> interviews. I'm like, they're cute. It's no wood, not. You know what I'm saying? Well, what are the big interviews? You just name them all. Courtroom TV, NBC. I've seen I'll be looking. like, okay, NBC. I ain't cosign, though. Cosign was first, though. Cosign was first. Exactly. Cosign was cosign first. Cosign was first. We just had to get the dates right. We just had to get the dates right, man. I can't help it. I'm a busy man. You're a busy woman. Uh, James is extremely busy as well. Y'all know who James are because y'all watch all that stuff, so. But this is dope, man. Um, I, I do want to leave with some motivation, though. It's, it's always the way I like to leave. So for somebody going through struggles, um, we can say law struggles or just struggles in life, what advice would you give them to get over, you know, this cloud of moments where, you know, they just don't see the light? What would you tell them? What have you done for yourself to where, you know, you've been through a lot lately and you're like, man, I got to keep going. Own your passion. <laughs> Own your passion. You got to turn passion. the trauma into passion and really dig deep and figure out what is the root cause of the trauma, what's the root cause of the hurt, and mm. just own it, like feel it, embody it, like don't run away from it, like go through the emotions no matter how 
hurtful and raw it feels. You have to go through it and get go through the healing process as well through if you're religious, through right. religion or through therapy, me personally through therapy and turn that trauma into passion and then own it. You own it like figuratively. Right. Like this is what happened. I'm not going to run away. Like I'm not going to be embarrassed. This is it. But then figure out a way to monetize it. Yeah. Own it. Own, own it. that passion through a business, it. you know. Yeah. So that is what I've done. And okay. you helped me and a lot of other That's people, uh, you know, in this room have been very inspirational to me as well. Just always be in there, answering nice. questions. We're here. And I appreciate you. I appreciate you for answering our questions and just being solid, providing snacks for today. <laughs> but um, y'all heard it here first on Cosign Magazine. We're here with Tammy, mother, attorney, former prosecutor, now turned politician. She's out here. Hire her. She's legit. And as always, continue the Cosign life. Peace. Hey guys, what's good? Thanks for supporting Cosign Magazine by watching this video. If you really enjoy this content, please subscribe, like, comment, and share.